Welcome to the Rap Race to Five podcast, where we discuss money, mindset, real estate investing, and ways to achieve financial independence. Whether you are a rookie or a veteran needing new ideas for investing or creating side hustles, you're in the right place. Here to challenge you to think out of the box, your hosts, Felipe Mejia and Diego Corzo. Hey, Diego, what's up, man? And everyone listening, welcome to the Rat Race to Five podcast. Dude, today we have Aaron. He's an ex-firefighter, retired in a year and a half uh, out of that job from four short-term rentals. He's going to talk about what market he's in, how he's doing it, uh, how we met, and how he denied a loan from me or for me because he's also uh, in in mortgage, man. So it's it's a good podcast today. No, yeah, and I get to ask him some uh, creative questions, and you do too. And one you cannot do, one you can do if you get creative enough. So you guys have definitely have to check it out. Yeah, it's a great podcast. Um, yeah, he denied my loan. We ask him great creative questions about how to get financing and all that. He talks about short-term rentals, um, and following his strategy can 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 be good for anyone. So super excited. Now, before we bring Aaron in, though, uh, today's podcast is sponsored by REI Call Center. Uh, REI Call Center is for wholesalers and realtors who need a professional cold caller uh, to help them get daily hot leads. Uh, We have about 50 already taking full advantage. So come check it out, reicallcenter.com. Aaron, welcome to the Rat Race to Five podcast, dude. I'm excited to have you here because you're actually one of my partners in a cabin. Um, I met you at a networking event. Like, We'll get all into that. Uh, Diego, what's up, man? How are you? What up, what up, Felipe? Back in Austin after a week in Jacksonville. That's right. We This is recorded right after Thanksgiving. Speaking of, Aaron, how was your Thanksgiving, bro? Did you eat too much? Uh, yeah, I had a ton. Yeah, it was good. It was low-key. Uh, my wife's family, Natalie, they're here in Nashville, which is where we live, so we spent the week with them. Um, did our big Thanksgiving last Saturday because um, her brother and sister-in-law were going to be out of town and then just had a little kind of low-key thing going on on Thursday. So, yeah, it was nice. Awesome. Cool. I love it. Diego, how was yours? I know Hispanics, we don't really have low key anything. So yeah. how was yours? I saw your whole weekend. Ours was good. We had we didn't have a low key weekend like like you saw. Uh, but uh, we had some great food. We had karaoke, some dancing. So it was always good. It's always a good time with my family. I love it. I love it. Your family is a hoot, man. I watch you guys on Instagram. If you guys don't follow Diego on Instagram, you definitely got to go follow him. Real Diego Corzo. It's hilarious. But we're not here to talk about Diego's dancing or his partying. We are (laughs) moving on to Aaron because I know Diego will get really excited. If you haven't been to one of the rat race events, you got to come because Diego is a hoot after hours. Oh, man, it's it's something else. If you're watching the video on this, Diego just shook his head. Aaron, tell us a little bit about you, man. What do you do? Who are you? Why are you on the podcast? Um, and, and, and then we'll dig into your past. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I am, um, right now currently a mortgage lender. Um, I was a firefighter of eight years, um, just left that job this summer. Um, started, started really investing about a year ago. We bought our first long-term rental last, um, June, I think it was. Um, and then from there over the last year, we bought four short-term rentals. Some of them, like you mentioned, have been with partners, um, such as yourself. And then some have just been my wife and I. Um, so really grew in scale over the last year, quit the, quit the fire department job that I had had. Um, I'd been at that department for five years, um, but been in that industry total for eight years. Um, so ramped up, uh, the mortgage business was going really well. I was looking for a way to transition out of the fire department into doing mortgages full time. Really was just so scared to leave even, even once it picked up and I was making, you know, I was matching what I was making at the fire department. I just couldn't pull the trigger. And, uh, so we started looking and saying, 
what do we need to do? Should we buy, buy some more cabins? Um, and we ended up settling on that strategy, bought some more short-term rentals, um, and then really was able to use that to transition out of that um, just stable salary job into a full-time commission role. So um, that's what I do. Uh, mortgage lender, own some real estate, live here in Nashville, Tennessee. I love it. I love it. So I met you at a networking event and we're going to get to that. That's where we'll start our story. But before we get to that, Aaron, who, who were you in high school and in college? Like, give us, Ooh. give us some juicy stories about that. Cause if you don't, <laughs> I'm going to dig in. Tell, tell us, tell us what it was like. Oh, were you man. a jock? Were you uh, yeah, that's a tough, like, what would you do? Question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. My wife, Natalie still gives me a hard time about high school. We always joke about how we wouldn't have been friends. Um, and I just, I, <laughs> me I, and I Diego too. I, <laughs> <laughs> nice. I love it. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know who I was in high school. Does anybody, um, you know, I played baseball my entire life. So I was on the, was on the varsity baseball team all through high school. Um, I was also a skateboarder, had really long hair, played guitar. Um, so it was just a part of a bunch of these different groups. Um, and so that's where Natalie gives me a hard time because she sees the pictures of my long hair, my skateboarding days, you know, I'm holding skateboards and, um, you know, riding around campus. And um, she's like, we never would have been friends. And I said, you know, babe, you were a softball player. I was a baseball player. We would have been on the same buses. We would have gotten close. We would have been friends. So, um, yeah, high school, man, I don't know. Um, college, I was a, I was a prankster. Um, I was a little bit of a prankster in, in high school too. Um, I, you asked for a story, so I'll give you one. We crashed a, we used to crash weddings in college. Um, so we, we one time found a, a kind of a high profile wedding that was going on in Nashville. It was, um, it was a major league baseball player was getting married here in Nashville. My buddy and I, I think it was our sophomore year, um, we saw it in the news and we said, hey, we're going to go to that wedding. And so we ended up, we did a ton of research. We probably spent the whole day one Saturday afternoon researching, looking for this wedding, found out where it was going to be, dressed up, invited a couple of friends, went to, this, went to this wedding, and there was, the whole wedding was Major League Baseball players, coaches, staff. Um, and so we crashed this wedding. One of the best meals I think I've ever had. Um, <laughs> got, some, got some pictures and... Uh, um, yeah, and then and then went back to campus that night. So that's a little bit of who I was in college was prankster, jokester. Um, always are you looking serious? For... <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Are yeah. you are you kidding me right now? I never knew that. That's hilarious. <laughs> I got to see a picture of that. You got to send me a picture. Yeah, of that yeah, yeah. I'll uh, I'll dig one up, man. I'll find one for you. That's epic. You know what's funny is I actually know Aaron's wife. She is beautiful. So. Yeah, no, Aaron, I don't think you guys would have been friends in high school and college, but I'm going to have to side with, with, with your wife. Uh, sorry about that. Yeah. Um, cool. Okay. So high school. Okay. Did you grow up um, rich and had a ton of money to invest in real estate? That's how it happened. Right. And then it was super easy for you to transition out of college um, to, to, to real estate. Right. You grew up like the Trumps. <laughs> that was it, man. Yep. That's what, that's how I got here today. Podcast done. That's it. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Tell us, tell us how you transitioned into real estate. So you were a firefighter. Um, actually, I want to hear that story. Why, why, why firefighter after college? What happened there? Um, and all that. Are you saving little old ladies and cats, or what's going on? Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't really remember how I got into it. I think, um, you know, going into college, I started as a songwriting major. Came here to Nashville for music. Everybody comes here for music. And pretty quickly figured out that's not what I wanted to do for a career. Um, and so from then I transitioned into entrepreneurship as my major. Um, like a lot of high school kids had a landscaping business growing up, did a lot of very entrepreneurial type things. Um, but man, just really didn't know, right? I had no idea. Um, had some friends back home that had some family in the fire service. And I remember talking to one of them right out of high school. Um, 
kind of, you know, really thought it just sounded interesting, to be honest. So I went over to our, our volunteer station in my hometown of Cary, North Carolina, talked to the guys, got a feel for what it would look like. Um, and so I think when I went into college, I always had that in the back of my mind of, hey, this sounds really fun. This sounds really interesting. Um, the more entrepreneurship classes I took, um, it, it started to make me think that, hey, I don't want to go straight into business out of college. Um, you know, I want to do something fun and unique and exciting. Um, and so, yeah, I just thought about it the whole four years that I was studying. Um, ended up applying for, for a job down in Alabama after I got out of college. Um, and they hired me with no experience and trained me up. I got my EMT license. Um, and so I spent three years down there before I moved back up here to Tennessee. Oh, nice. Well, that's, that's actually really exciting. Um, I know like some of the trainings that, that they do for the fire department, like up the ladders and stuff like the heights. Yeah, mm -hmm. no, that's not for me. bro. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah it's, uh, I'm, I'm actually afraid of heights too. So climbing the, climbing the ladders is always a, a bit of a thrill. Oh, that's hilarious. So go ahead, Diego. Aaron, at what time, uh, during your eight years, right? When, when did you had that trigger to let me see if there's an exit strategy for me so that I can begin doing something else part-time? Yeah. Um, so I remember one time and I'll, I'll back up a little bit. I remember when I was in college, um, in the, in the entrepreneurship major researching different things saying, Hey, what can I do? Um, I remember reading a lot of real estate books. Um, but, but not really knowing if that was for me, you know, Hey, should I become maybe an agent or should I become an investor? I remember going to going to a real estate meetup in college one time, had to borrow a friend's car cause I didn't even have a car in college. Um, borrowed his car, went to this real estate meetup. Um, and so I think that's kind of always been in the back of my mind as well. And I remember one day sitting at the fire station, I'd probably been there for a year or two um, and really wasn't having a great time. I was in a place that I didn't have a lot of friends. I had moved to a new city, um, knew I wasn't going to be down there long term. And I remember we just we had a lot of free time, you know, on certain days um, and, and sitting there one time. We, I think we were watching a movie and I was sitting on the couch just kind of going through my phone or my computer saying, what can I do? You know, what books can I read? Um, <laughs> you know, what, what is life going to look like for me in the next five or 10 years? Um, and just really stumbling upon some good book recommendations. Um, and, um, I think Rich Dad Poor Dad was one of them read it. Um, and I think that's what really kind of sparked my interest back into real estate. Um, since I hadn't done a lot of it, read a little bit in college, really kind of forgot about it the first couple of years of being a firefighter. And then, um, started reading some books, started just thinking about it more. So I think it's always been there. I don't know if there was really a moment that I can remember. Um, but I do remember sitting on the couch at the fire station one day, looking, looking, trying to find some ideas, trying to figure out what I was going to do, you know, for the next five or 10 years. Mm -hmm. And then what brought you into what you're doing now? Yeah. Um, so I was also sitting on a fire truck one day, <laughs> um, had moved, had moved to Tennessee, um, so the we fire is our, blaring in the back and Aaron's playing on his phone, right. finding real estate my, books. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's reading Rich Dad Poor Dad over there. I know. I know. That's right. That's right. Um, I'll be there in a minute, guys. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I moved, <laughs> moved to Tennessee, um, bought, bought my first house as soon as I moved to Tennessee. This was about five years ago. Um, house hacked it, so to speak, um, for about three years before my wife and I got married. Um, so then we sold that house, bought the house we're in now. Um, and yeah, this must have been probably about a year ago, we bought our first long-term rental. Um, it was just a, just a really small under a hundred thousand dollar purchase cash flow at about $200 a month. Um, and I remember sitting on the fire truck one day, it was probably about a year ago. Um, it was probably last fall, um, of 2020. Um, we were at the store 
all the guys had gone in to get some stuff. I didn't need anything. So I was just sitting in the truck, had my AirPods in, was listening to, you know, some, some kind of real estate, something I'm sure, um, and started hearing about short-term rentals and cabins and um, the Smoky Mountains. And then that wasn't always an area that my wife and I loved. Um, and so just started really thinking, hey, we're making $200 a month on this one house. I'm wanting to get out of this job. It's going to take a lot of houses to get out of this job if that's the path that we're going to take. Um, so it really just clicked for me that day in the fire truck as I was sitting there in the parking lot waiting on my, my crew to come back um, thinking, wow, if I get, even if we get two cabins and we can make $500 a month on each, you know, that might be enough to help me make that transition. Um, because we were, we're really, um, really intentional about not living on that entire salary. Um, and so there was really only a small portion of that income that we needed before I quit my job. And so I remember just sitting there thinking, Hey, we can do this. Um, so I heard that podcast, did a little bit more research, um, started thinking, and then that's when we got, um, really started looking into Gatlinburg and short-term rentals and then bought our first one right about a year ago. It was last December when we bought that first one. Right. You know, it's, it's interesting. And, uh, I mean, I don't want to go on a little rabbit trail here or a tangent, but there's, there's something that I think uh, a lot of us as entrepreneurs maybe take for granted, and that's the mentality that we deserve it or that we can do it, right? So you went over it like, oh, I, I, I knew that I could do this, and then you just took action and, and it's working out for you. But I think even when I started, a lot of people don't feel like they can do it or that they do deserve it because of their upbringing or because in a position they're at. And for those people that are listening, that are like, oh, $300 is enough. like. I was in that boat where I believed like that's all I kind of deserved, if that makes sense. Um, and it wasn't until like I looked myself in the mirror one day and said, no, I deserve more. I, I can do more. I, I'm not limited to these $300 a month. Uh, like, yes, that's exciting. And if that's what you're getting right now, that's okay. But know that there's so much more and you don't have to follow a rule book. Aaron, I don't know if I ever told you this story, but my the beginning of my investment was through Airbnb before I went single family and then back to short-term rentals, Airbnb. Um, I was making like a thousand dollars cash flow. I was renting out two bedrooms in one of my houses as Airbnb, and I read a bunch of books. and The books were like, "Oh, you should be making three to five hundred dollars a month cash flow, and then just build that up slowly." And I don't know what triggered my mind to stop Airbnb and do traditional rental because I thought that was the right way. You know, everyone invests differently, and you need to find what works best for you. Uh, and it sounds like you know, four rental properties retired you from being a firefighter, right? People need to realize that like you deserve more, there's more out there and not everyone invests the same way, which is why I love this podcast because everyone reaches their fire, their goal differently. Um, and, and I just think it's awesome that you like took action on knowing that no, $300 is not enough. I want more, I want better and, and it's okay to strive for that. So kudos to you and then everyone listening, like guys, you can do this too. It's not just a gift for a certain people or, 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 or a certain you know, group of people. Anyone can do this. Uh, it's fair game for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I love that. So oh. go ahead, Diego. Oh, well, what I was going to ask is you mentioned that you bought your first property in 2020, right? Well, Correct. Your, your Airbnb and stuff too. But at what point, so you had your full-time job. At what point did you start doing the, the, um, your side hustle that later turned into your full-time job that, that you have now as a lender. Gotcha. Gotcha. Sure. Um, so I started doing this back in 2018. Um, so I think, I, I think I got my license in 2017, didn't do mm -hmm. anything with it. Um, 
started working for a company in 2018. So I've been doing this. I think this is my fourth, if I'm doing the math right, third or fourth year doing this. Um, so that first year in 2018, I didn't make a dime. I was working, <laughs> hustling, calling on people, trying to get business. Didn't, didn't make a dime from, I think, March to December that year. Um, so in 2019, I switched companies, um, got some really good mentorship. Um, and so I, I tell people I really started in 2019 because that's when my business really started to take off. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I don't want to discount that because that did help us get to our rentals. That was a big part of, um, you know, just working all the time, waking up in the mornings before I go on shift. Um, every free minute at the station I could, I was working that job. I was working at nights. Um, a lot of times the contracts were coming in and I didn't have time to do them during the day if we had training or a lot of calls. Um, spent a lot of time, you know, really hustling and building that, um, that income. And we just took all of that and poured as much of it into the rentals as we could. Um, so yeah, I, I think this is my, like I said, my third or fourth full year of doing this. Perfect. And that's exactly what I wanted, not what I wanted you to say, but that's where I was going, right? It's like, you had your side hustle. The first year may not have been that, that good. Uh, then by your second year, you're able to save instead of making all this money and be like, you know what, let's go on vacation. Let's do this. Let's do that. Cause now we have all this extra cash. Let's put it to work. Right. And that's one of the mm-hmm. things that you should have your job, have a side hustle that can later turn into your full-time thing, but invest for passive income. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. It, it's interesting too, uh, Diego, <clears throat> um, funny story. Uh, and then we can go past to how me and Aaron met and then we'll get into the rest of the cabins and all that. But, uh, Aaron, when I first met him, actually denied me for a loan. Uh, I knew I was going to say this, Diego. I applied for a loan, and it was it wasn't even a large loan. I don't I can't remember. I think I had more like equity and cash than the loan that I was requesting. And Aaron, as a loan, I was like, "No, sorry, Flipper, it doesn't work out." And then we came up with the idea of partnering together on buying a cabin. So I want to hear this story from the eyes of Aaron. Aaron, what did this look like for you on the back end? Ooh, yeah, um, man. Uh, thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> um, we try to keep it real. Right, right, right. Um, well, I mean, as you know, you you know, you've done a lot of deals. You you know, you understand how lending works. A lot of times, um, with you know, I'm a I'm a conventional lender. You know, we don't um, do a lot of asset based type lending. Um, where we're just looking at the property, not looking at your income, you know, we're looking at your income. Um, and so there are pretty strict guidelines we have to follow based on income. So, um, you know, I don't know how much you want me to, to really dive into that, but, um, yeah, where, where, where were you, you going can, with you that? You can say it all, dude. I don't care <laughs> if, if you're comfortable. I, I, I love yeah, it. Yeah. I don't, man, I don't even remember how that really happened. I know we talked about the loan. Um, and I don't remember if it was right after that, or if it was a couple weeks later, if we just stayed in touch, I don't really remember how this we is, let, let me, let me tell the story. The this is how I remember it. <laughs> I got denied for a loan and then, and then, and then I tell Aaron, Hey, we should, uh, what if we partner on one? Can you, are you bankable? And I bring the money and he was like, yeah, let's do it. And I, t- and I was like, did I just get, did I just get bamboozled? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, Aaron, I, I have, a, I have a lot of debt and there's debt to income. And my tax strategy prior was like, save as much money as I can, um, on taxes. And then what I realized a couple of years ago when I was fixing my taxes was 
That's not the best strategy. And people need to listen to this part. There's a difference between tax strategy and tax saving. And you need to tax strategize for the year going forward, not tax savings for the year going back. Because if you're all you're going to do is save on taxes, it's going to be really hard for you to get loans going forward. So you need to talk to your CPA about what your strategy is next year before your CPA starts taking out a bunch of tax deductions. So for me on paper, it looked like I was losing money and I didn't have any income and, and, and it, I didn't have a huge tax bill that day or that year, but my bankability got hurt because I just deducted everything that I could, my underwear, my pants, shoes, freaking gas, everything. So it looked like I was losing money. Um, now going forward, I've done it a different way and you know I've gotten pre-approval for cabins now pretty pretty easy but it took me realizing that the difference between tax strategy uh and tax saving and those are two different things and it's a two-edged sword because you are going to pay more in taxes if you want to be bankable next year it's the way it works it's the nature of the beast it's nothing against aaron i'm giving him a hard time but i understood that so obviously i, I give him a hard time about it but for those who are listening make sure that that you know that your, your tax strategy is important for your future investing and you have to calculate that like, okay, next year I wanna buy four rental properties. So that means I need, I don't know, half a million dollar in loans so that you have to be able to prove on paper that that's sustainable with your income and you don't wanna write everything off. So definitely talk to your CPA about that. None of us are CPAs here, but we've done this long enough that we know that that's super important. Um, so that being said, Aaron, can you really quickly talk about the story of how we met um, at a networking event and then how, why, why that's important for people to like go to these events. Cause you never know what can happen out of those. Yeah. 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 That's a good point. Um, yeah. So we, we met at a networking event. I think it was at your sister's office. Um, and, and honestly, man, I almost didn't even come to that event that night. I was tired. I think I had a long day. Um, but I had invited some of my friends. One was, a um, was a realtor. Um, and another one's a good friend of mine. She's actually a realtor as well. Um, and so I had She's invited really cool. both of them. Yeah, she's great. Um, her name's Ty. Um, but yeah, I had invited both of them. <laughs> and so I felt like I had to go, right? I, I was getting ready to go. I said, man, I just, I'm tired. I want to stay home. You know, <laughs> I want to kind of hang out tonight. But I had invited these these two friends and I said, hey, I'm not going to invite them and obviously not show up. So um, I think I showed up a little bit late. Um, ended up, yeah, I guess we just started talking. Um, I don't remember how we got on the cabins. Um, I think you were asking what I was doing at the time. And I think we'd either just bought that one or we were in the process of buying it. And so, you know, that came up and we started talking about loan stuff. Um, and from there, yeah, I think we just, we stayed in touch. We had the, you know, went through the, the loan process with you um, for a little bit. And then um, I think I was going up to Gatlinburg one of those next weeks. And so we ended up connecting over a call or something and, you know, chatted about it a little bit more, but um, yeah, I, I think that's super important to your, to your point of, networking, getting out there, even when you don't feel like it a lot of times, um, like I did, um, you know, just being around people that are going to um, inspire you, encourage you, challenge you, um, you know, people that are moving in the same direction of you um, or, or where you want to go, I think is very important. And now you've done more deals and partnerships after me, um, but then you've also done some on your own. And and then what is what is investing for you look like going forward? I know you have short-term rentals. What does investing look like going forward? Are you going to continue to partner? Are you going to do some stuff on your own, a mix? Um, mm -hmm. And then talk a little bit about the benefits of investing by yourself and the benefits of investing in a partnership. Sure. Um, yeah. So we, moving forward, um, we're considering taking on another partner, um, going down to the beach. I don't think we want to have too many partners. Um, I'd love to, you know, maybe with the partners we do have at this point, we've got one other partner. Like I said, we've got a third that we're looking at going down to, um, the Gulf Shores, Destin market, um, 
to, to partnering on something down there. So I think if we end up making that that purchase down in the the panhandle, I guess, um, I think at that point I'd really like to maybe just grow with the partners we have, not take on too many more. Um, and I think we do want to buy some more properties on our own. Um, so for the next couple of years, we've talked about maybe buying one or two additional short-term rentals and from there trying to get more long-term rentals because we have the one right now. Um, so maybe trying to get some small multifamilies um, and then from there really ramping up, you know, in the next couple of years to some bigger deals, some some bigger apartment deals and some, some commercial space as well, potentially. Um, so for you'd asked about the, the benefits of the partnerships. Um, yeah, so for us, I mean, it helped us grow a lot quicker than we thought we were ready for, right? Um, when we met you, our goal for this year was to, to really slow down, take it easy, analyze, and just really optimize the two properties we bought last year, see how they were going, because um, we just had no idea, right? We were a couple months into the, our first short-term rental, um, saving all the cash flow because we were, you know, not sure what what that was going to look like, really. Um, and so our goal was to pay off the, the line of credit on our house that we took for that property, this year um and then just to watch and see how it how it went um and then we met you and now we're sitting here we bought three properties this year <laughs> we ended up paying off our line of credit and then draw, drew on it again um to buy those properties so it um, seems to happen yeah. when people get around me they end up buying a lot more than they expected <laughs> and they're like oh wait what yeah. now <laughs> yeah um so yeah the, the benefit is um you know having good people around you that you can um you know really build relationships with um, they can help you you can help them um, you can scale and grow quicker than you probably think is possible for us, you know, what we learned um, was that we didn't have to necessarily save up another 10, 15, 20% to buy a property. We could partner with you, bring a little bit less to the table and then, um, you know, really grow quickly. So that, that's a benefit. Um, and then, like I said, just being able to build relationships with other people that are doing the same thing that you're doing, um, provide value to them as best you can. And, um, you know, in turn, really help each other and, and grow, you know, where you can. Aaron, uh, what were the numbers uh, of that one deal that you did with Felipe? And you mentioned a line of credit and stuff like that. So how how did you finance that property, the loan terms, all of that? Sure. Um, so for that one, I believe we bought it for $525. Um, it was off market, did a 20% down investment loan on it. Um, so for us, we we had to pull on our home equity line of credit. Um, so I think we had to pull, we ended up pulling the initial, the whole initial purchase price and down payment. We funded that. And then Felipe and I set up a partnership on the back end of that. Um, but yeah, we just did a 20% down conventional loan, financed it with our line of credit. Um, and then, um, yeah, set up our partnership on the back end after we closed. Okay. And the line of credit, since you're a lender, there's going to be a, a question that I get all the time. Uh, when you pull money from the line of credit, what counts towards your DTI? What, whatever you pull, right? So if you have a $100,000 line of credit, if you pull $50,000, you're going to be making monthly payments on the $50,000 that you have pulled. So that's going to count towards your debt to income, whatever is that the, payment is. Is the 50000 going to count to your debt to income or the monthly payment of interest going to count towards your debt to income? Correct. Exactly. The monthly, that monthly payment is going to count towards your debt to income. Mm -hmm. so if you have a hundred thousand, yeah. So if you have a hundred thousand dollars sitting there and you don't draw on any of it, it's like a credit card that has no balance. And so you don't have any payments on that. None of that's going to count towards your mm -hmm. debt to income, which is a really cool part of, of having a line of credit like that. So, and just to clarify, so let's say that I do have a hundred thousand 
and then I pull 50 and then I have a car loan for 20,000, right? Is it going to, when, when you pull my credit, is it going to show that I have $70,000 in debt? Yes. It'll show your, it'll show your balances as well as your minimum, your monthly payments on those balances. Correct. Okay. Good to know. So, so in, in correct me if I'm wrong here, Aaron, and maybe it's per banker because um, in some of the loans that I've gotten and they've pulled my P&Ls and like all this stuff, um, they'll say, oh, okay, well, let's say you make $100 a month. Your line of credit payment is uh, $10 a month. So your income is $90 a month, right? So they 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 count the debt. Like if like you have $100,000 line of credit, you owe $50,000, but they don't count like the $50,000 as uh, the debt. They say, okay, you have, you know, the payment coming out monthly. So they take that off the top, right? Um, whereas in like a cash out refinance, uh, you take out a hundred thousand dollars, they're counting a hundred thousand dollars towards your debt. Is that, is that right? Like, even though with the line of credit, you have access to a hundred thousand you're mm-hmm. if you take out 50,000, they're only going to, they're only going to attach 50,000 of that towards your debt. Right. Is that, that's what you're saying? Correct. Exactly. Okay, exactly. Yep. So anything that's anything that's on that credit line that's unused is not going to count towards it. Just like if you had, say you had three credit cards, they all had a $10,000 credit limit on it but you had you don't have any sort of balance on those credit cards you're not going to have any payment um, going against your income on your debt to income for those credit cards it's the same thing for the line of credit so you as a lender um, and as an investor you were able to take 125,000 right or like 105 whatever that 20% was of the 525 um, you were able to take that cash from your line of credit and the lender being you were was able to say that is okay you can borrow from the equity of your house add towards your debt to income right so does did your debt to income ratio need to work as you are borrowing that 125 because now because now you have the house payment and you have the line of credit payment yep exactly exactly so yep so we still had to we then had to qualify with um, with that new payment on top of the new payment for the new mortgage. Um, so yes, it, it did add to our, our line of, um, I'm sorry, it did add to our debt to income. Um, mm-hmm. but at the time, you know, I was working two jobs. We had some other rental income coming in. So it, it still worked, um, at that point. Okay. And this line of credit, sorry, I'm asking a lot of questions because this is like, yeah, no, right. great. <laughs> uh, does the line of credit. So, but when you're buying an investment property, you also need like six months in reserves, right? So. Correct. Does the line of credit, does access to line of credit count as reserves? No, it does not count. You can't, you okay. can't pull on that for reserves. You got to have, you know, reserves in your, you know, in your account um, that you're not going to be pulling loans on for reserves. Okay. That's good to know. So this way an investor can take out their down payment from their line of credit, but still have cash available in their bank account. Correct. Yeah. Okay. I love cool. it. Great strategies. It's all about getting creative without like crossing that like illegal line, which is why we ask the questions, mm-hmm. right? Asking for a friend. But it, it is about getting creative. And I personally think that the line of credit, and Aaron, you can tell me uh, if I'm wrong, but I think the line of credit does give you a little bit more flexibility uh, with how you want to use the funds, when you want to use the funds. And it's a way to shield your debt to income because if you don't draw from it, you have access to it, but it doesn't kind of get your debt to income. And I think that's the sexiest thing you can have in real estate is access to money without it counting against your debt to income. 
creative, right, absolutely. creative question again. I don't think <laughs> asking do, for a friend. A, Aaron is like, wait, is this an intervention? I'm going to start <laughs> right? charging. Oh, um, turning, no. uh, turning the record off here. This is great. <laughs> well, my mind just thinks of different things, right? Yeah. Um, so let's say that I do have a hundred thousand as a line of credit. You said that I need cash in the bank account, right? Um, but let's say that I, I want to have 10,000 in reserves in my bank account. Can I, you, can I take out 10,000 from the line of credit in January, put it in my bank account, let it season so that when you ask me to qualify for a loan and you tell me, Hey, I need 60 days. I need two months worth of bank statements. I give you February and March or March or April, that 10,000 is already in the bank account. So you're not going to ask me, where did you get that money? Um, then I can use that whatever's left to buy another prop to buy the property. Is that creative without being illegal? So you could, um, so yeah, so most of the time we're only going to ask for the two months of bank statements. Um, the underwriters always reserve the right to go back farther than that. Mm -hmm. You know, if they suspect, you know, or if they have any questions about where that money came from, they, they could always go back and say, Hey, we need January's as well. And then when they get January's, they'll see that the HELOC, draw went into that account um mm. typically they're not going to ask that um so you're right yeah most of the time you're you're only going to have to season money for 60 days before you can use it um but just be aware that they may ask you where that came from you know and again you don't want to lie about where that came from yeah but that can be a strategy that can work mm -hmm. technically okay cool 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 so this goes for anybody that's been using lines of credit and you have this opportunity uh, just make sure that the timing needs to be super right. It's a cat and mouse game. That's what it is. I play cat yeah. and mouse with my lenders you all have the to time. Play it's how about to... where can I be strategic? <laughs> yeah. I played cat and mouse all the time. Not even going to Money, money <laughs> it's a game. Like at the end of the day, being an investor, it's, it's a, chess a game. game of money. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And, and we all know that. And, and as long as you stay legal and you do things the right way, you read, you know, what it says you can and cannot do, you should be good. And here's the best thing to do. Honestly, I've learned that this is really good strategy. Just go talk to your lender. Most of the time, they want to help you. Oh yeah. Most of the time, they're in the business to like, okay, let's figure this out together, and 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 build those relationships. This is one thing that I tell everyone that's listening and my mentees: don't just call your lender when you need money. Me and Aaron go out to eat once a month. We try to get together. Uh, me and my banker at Pinnacle, we try to get together once a month, right? I take him out to lunch and dinner, and now it's now he's more prone to answer my phone, answer my texts, my emails, right? Lenders get hit up all the time with people wanting money and they're not prepared. So if you make their transitions or their transactions with you easier, then, uh, you know, they're more open to help you and get you through quicker. So just be honest mm -hmm. with your lender. Go talk to them. They're regular people just like you. They have struggles, tribulations, and they have good days and bad days. So just go be a friend uh, and, and, and don't just hit them up when you need money. Um, let's move on. So, Aaron, what, what does investing look like for you going forward? Um, uh, you told us that you want to get into the stuff at the beach and maybe some um, uh, some more long term investing. Or do you plan on completely quitting all your jobs soon? Uh, what does five, 10 year goals look like for you uh, in that regard? Yeah, um, so I do like doing the mortgage stuff. Um, I like that it's scalable. I like that I can can really build around it. Um, so for me, I think at this point, I'd love to build a team out. Um, I, I've got some pretty big sales goals that I want to hit over the next three to five years. Um, yeah. So I don't think I, I see myself quitting this job anytime soon. Um, this is something you, know, you like. This is this is optional yeah. for you. And this is a really comfortable right. spot to be at in your 30s, 40s, and so forth. 
Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's it's tough, right? And it's, um, you know, it can be a pretty taxing job at times, but I like the challenge. I like growing. I like learning about it. Um, you know, I love real estate, all things real estate. And so that continues to help me learn and grow. And, um, you know, it gives me knowledge for my own deals. Um, so I like that. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, we want to get, like I said, maybe another couple of short-term rentals, um, really get another probably five or six long-term rentals, hopefully all small multifamilies. Um, and then once we get there, really start looking at bigger deals, maybe partner on some apartment buildings. I'd love to get a commercial space. We've talked about having some kind of commercial strip that I can have an office in. Um, we've got just kind of an off the wall, fun goal of starting a coffee shop. Um, and so we would cool. potentially, potentially put that into that space as well. Um, and then maybe have some commercial tenants, depending on how big that, that building would be. But, um, yeah, we just, we want to keep growing, um, keep scaling, um, really turn the, the properties that we have now into businesses, um, so that they're, um, you know, we have a short term rental business, we have a long term rental business, um, and really just optimizing those, um, as best we can. So yeah, looking to keep buying, keep growing, um, and really optimize what we have in the meantime. That's awesome. I love it. Oh, cool. So <clears throat> Aaron, uh, Diego, do you have any other questions before we get out of here? Um, no, I just think no. like it's, it's really cool, Felipe, that the lender told you no. So you're like, all right, well, screw it. Let's partner up then. If you're going to tell me no, there has I to know, be no he way. did, bro. He was like, no, I can't get you a loan. And then I was yeah. like, you want a partner? Yeah. Because yeah. in those I conversations, think I think he had told me. Yeah. That's what he was wanting. That, that, that was his strategy. Aaron's strategy on the back end was to deny me the loan so that we partner. Yeah. <laughs> no, and then he's like, well, now I know all the cash that you have available. You can tap into. <laughs> now I know all your secrets. Oh, yeah. Let's yeah. go. Let's go. It's like not many, Felipe, I may not know your credit score, but he does. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Aaron knows so it all. Yeah. 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 And that's kind of the cool thing. If I can add, we are other partners. You know, we are also, I did a loan for him a couple of years ago, too. And so I feel like all, all my partners, I've been able to, um, yeah, really, really get the <laughs> the view of, you know, what their finances look like. <laughs> cool. He's like, I get to check out their, their finances before I say yes. So he gets to yeah, the right. intimate <laughs> stuff, yes, bro. He's man. in your underwear drawer, man. He's right? like, all right. Yeah, that's right. That over 750 credit score, more than six figures saving, uh, enough real estate in the game for six years. Okay, I, I'll, yeah, I'll let's trust go, it. Let's go. All right, I'll, yeah. I'll do hey, it. You came guy. to me, man. You came to me. <laughs> I did, I did. <laughs> Well, that's cool. awesome, Aaron. Uh, where where can people know, learn learn find out talk to you? You know, stay motivated. Where can people reach out to you uh, for for any help? Yeah, um, you can Google my name, Aaron Sheets. Uh, my my mortgage uh, email and phone number will pop up. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Aaron Sheets um, or on Facebook. I think at Aaron Sheets Lender is my mortgage page. Cool. Awesome. And how do you spell your name? Your last name? Yeah, it's S H E A T S. So sheets with an A instead of two E's. Yep. Yep. Not with an I. So, oh, that went over everyone's head. Oh, come on. That was too good. That's hilarious. All right, guys, we're going to get out of here. Aaron, thank you so much for hanging out with us, man. You're awesome. You're rockstar. Can't wait to see you grow leaps and bounds next year. 10, 20 rental properties. I can already see it. You're going to crush it. Um, But we'll talk soon. Thanks so much, Aaron. Awesome. Thanks guys for having me. Enjoyed it. The Rap Race to Buy podcast, where we discuss money, mindset, real estate investing, and ways to achieve financial independence. Whether you are a rookie or a veteran needing new ideas for investing or creating side hustles, you're in the right place.